BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Dream Bigger podcast. I'm your host, Sif, and I'm the founder of Array. And on this podcast, you can expect conversations with thought leaders who will inspire you to live your best life and chase your biggest dreams. So raise your hand if working out has been hard during the pandemic. I used to go to group workout classes a lot, so going into lockdown was a big adjustment for me. Over the last eight months, I've grown to love and really appreciate certain instructors who've made the transition from group fitness to at-home workouts so much easier. Bryony Smith, who's a yoga instructor at Allo Moves, is one of these people, and I'm so excited to be interviewing her today. Bryony's story is super interesting because pre-yoga, she used to be a pop star in Thailand. We cut into all the details about her prior yogi life, all about yoga, mindfulness, how she brings yoga to her kids, and so much more. It's a really interesting conversation, which I'm sure you'll love. So let's get right into it and say hello to Bryony. Okay, so first things first is you've had a really, really interesting career trajectory, I feel, because you were a pop star before getting into yoga. So like, yeah. <laughs> how, how did that all even happen? Good question. Well, you know, I have a, my mom is Thai Chinese and, you know, if, <laughs> if you're Asian, then you know, like how moms of this ethnicity can be. And so she's not a tiger mom by any means, but she's always noticed that I was very um, theatrical <laughs> and from a very young age. And actually before the pop star thing, she had me doing pageants when I lived in California. Oh, wow. Like, very, <laughs> when I realized that I didn't like them, I decided to stop doing them just by not smiling on stage anymore. <laughs> and that's when I realized that I'm quite more rebellious than um, my sister was. But yeah, my mom, I definitely have her to thank for it because she um, guided me in that direction. And after the pageants, you know, we were doing lots of castings and commercials here in LA and we moved to Thailand when I was 11 and, um, you know, her family was in politics there and she had a lot of people that she knew. And my look was quite new at the time, you know, Eurasian, half Asian, half Caucasian. And that was quite an easy in to modeling agencies and commercial agencies. So through that, um, I did a few hundred commercials in the first year and a half that I was there, not a few hundred, like uh, just under 200. And um, yeah, and then one of my commercials turned into a record deal 
uh, one of the, the biggest record labels there is also a conglomerate of, you know, movie house, all sorts of things. And I went in for a movie casting. I didn't speak a word of Thai. <laughs> and they asked me, you know, what do you like to do for fun? And I was 12, almost 13. And uh, I said, I love to sing. So I sang for them. And six months later, I had an album in a language I didn't know. <laughs> wow. So your album yeah. was in Thai. It was. My album was in Thai. And by then, I could speak uh, Thai, but I couldn't read. So I recorded my entire album by having them read to me the words and writing it down in you know phonetic form, like karaoke style, <laughs> and uh, read the words. That I, you know, and I, of course I learned what the words were, but I couldn't read. It took a while. Now I read, write, speak. I'm fluent in Thai after ten years there. Wow, that is incredible. So, what, like, how did you even find yoga amongst all of this? Great question. Well, you know, I I was working really hard, very young. Um, you know, from the moment I landed in Thailand, I was working and going to school, and uh, I was lucky enough to do something at the age of 15 that I'd always, that I found to be very interesting was host a travel show. And we traveled around. I know it's like, I think about it now. And I, my daughter at who's 15, 15, it's like, oh. <laughs> my daughter who's 15. I'm like, she could do it. She could do it if she wanted to, but it was just like, Oh, you want me to do this? You want me to say this? I was very much programmed to just, you know, action and go. And I'm thankful for that now. I use that tool quite a lot in, in what I do now in front of the camera. But anyways, yoga. The travel show took us to India and we did a bunch of things in various cities. And it was very much about Ayurveda, you know, the culture of, of India, yoga. And yoga was one of our last bits. And we were in, um, in Mysore and we went and, you know, did a bit in an ashram, a Mysore practice. And it was my first, you know, it was on camera. I don't have the footage. I wish I did. Uh, and I just remember having gone through so many years, like it had been three or four years of really intense work and not a lot of self-care. And, and to be honest, not just work, like lots of partying at a very young age. I kind of convinced myself that I was mature. But when I look back, it's like, and I see pictures of myself at that age. I was just a child acting. I like was really young. Yeah, well, I started at 12 and, and yes. you know, I feel like at 15, I felt like I'd gone through a few years of, you know, just bad behavior, uh, <laughs> drugs, alcohol, partying, working too hard, trying to do school. And um, that yoga practice, that first yoga practice really, I, I didn't understand it like I do now, but what I understand from it now is that it it created this realization that I needed to be making space for self-care. Otherwise, you know, I, I wasn't going to end up in a good place physically or mentally. And, and I was kind of on the cusp of, you know, I could, it could go in a pretty bad direction. So I was very lucky, very, very blessed to fall into yoga. Very serendipitous. Yes, yes, exactly. I do feel like my, my life has been serendipitous in many ways like that. You know, you'll, go through tough times and you'll look back and realize, whoa, if it weren't for that really challenging experience, I probably wouldn't have grown in this way or created this opportunity or had this opportunity. So I think all of us have those experiences if we're aware enough. Yeah, for sure. 
So then you have this, you know, I guess like incredible yoga experience. So how do you decide to take that and sort of like make that your career path? Like, was there a time in between when you were kind of doing both or was it just like, no, this is it. Like, let's make the switch. Yeah, there, there was a moment of this is it. Let's make the switch. But it wasn't until that moment that I'd even pondered it. Uh, and and like many pivotal moments in life, you know, like I just said, it, it came from a very challenging time in my life. Um, you know, when I was 21, I had my daughter and her presence in my life, you know, the birth of her, the pregnancy and all of that was such an incredibly, hmm, it was an awakening moment. You know, I'd spent almost 10 years in the entertainment world and singing. And I'd always felt like that this wasn't it for me. I always felt like I wasn't going to live the rest of my life in Thailand and probably not in the entertainment world. And um, when I had her, it just felt like, okay, well, here is a calling, you know, being a mother, having a family. I left Thailand. Um, I settled down in Texas with her dad. We were both really young when, when I look back. <laughs> 21 is really young. Yeah, it's true. Yes, we were both really young. But I also felt like I'd had, you know, a whole almost decade of a life that I was ready to, to maybe not move on from, but just to explore something that had more purpose, that was more me creating it rather than something that I'd fallen into in a sense when I was a kid. And um, I went through some really tough times. Sorry, it's a long story. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I enjoy long stories. Continue, okay. please. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, my daughter's actually here in the other room on Zoom. And so usually she's not here when I tell the story. I don't think I've ever told the story in front of her. So I hope she's got her headphones on. Oh. And if she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't, you know what? She's 16. It's, it's all right. It's you know, tragic. it's a positive story. <laughs> it happened. But <laughs> when I found out I was pregnant, I was in the middle of the tour. And I just, you know, at the time, Thailand was still very conservative when it came to divorce and especially pregnancy out of wedlock. It's like, when I look back or even I think about myself now, it's like, what? <laughs> so what, you know? But I, you know, having the mom that I did and she cares tremendously about me, her suggestion was, you know what, just, just leave, just leave Thailand and just do your thing and don't worry about it, but just like disappear. It's easier. I look back and I'm like, yeah, if I were a bit more, you know, mature enough to make my own decisions, I probably would have made that one, but I didn't. And I literally disappeared for like six years from that world. And it was a lot of, there were a lot of, there was a lot of press, you know, where did she go? What happened? You know, uh, gossip about me having had a baby and with who, uh, <laughs> it's just like, you know, I, I look back and I, I was, I am very good at shutting things out and compartmentalizing, but that's not healthy. You know, you do, you should deal with things. At least that's where I am now. Yeah. Not, maybe not immediately. Sometimes we need to process, but not six years later, <laughs> but you know what? It was, it was the way that I dealt with it. And it's something that I look back upon and, and, and I did finally deal with all of that. And it was because of yoga. So six years I disappeared and was with, you know, her dad for a little bit living in Texas. And then we went through a really 
intense custody business legal suit, which, um, you know, was just incredibly taxing. And I was so young and it was really scary. I spent all of my life savings on it and ended up, you know, that was 2004, five, six, seven, 2007, I ended up in LA and broke with my daughter, um, having to share, you know, her 50-50 custody with her dad who was in Texas. And we spent wow. three years like flying, both Stop of us back. flying back and yeah. forth. Like that was my life. When she spent one year, it was part of my deal. Like she would spend, I've never told anybody this sort of detail, but part of our deal was that she, we would do half and half, meaning she would be in Texas half the year, in LA half the year for three years. And so when she was in Texas, I was on a plane twice a month and I was living in Texas for just to see her, to be with her. And then there was like a whole year where she was in Texas. And that was like, that's incredibly difficult. So like a difficult. Mom, I can't even imagine. Like I don't ever want to go back to Texas because of it. <laughs> I just remember flying Southwest Airlines like all oh, the gosh. time. <laughs> and like, you know, I'm I'm now a pro when it comes to flying because I said to myself, back to your question, teaching yoga. I said to myself when I started teaching yoga, and this was when I did my teacher training, it was like 2008, 2009. I said I want to be in a profession that one inspires my children to have, you know, a relaxing, calm, you know, focus in life. Um, and number two, which was really number one, a career which doesn't have me traveling all the time. And <laughs> what it turned into was more traveling than ever. <laughs> which is funny. You know, we talked about serendipity. It's like sometimes the universe is just going to be it like, just happens. Oh, it just happens. Yeah. So that's when I, I did my teacher training. I had finally settled in LA. It's like starting from ground zero, broke, um, single mom, just wanting to, to do something that, you know, set a wonderful example for my daughter and, and was a great foundation for me to grow from as well. Wow. That's incredible. So I'm going to, rewind a little bit so, yeah there's know, a lot there when, yeah there's a lot there to unpack wow um so you went from thailand and you just settled in texas and you've just sort of disappeared from thailand so like did you just leave your um like until then like media focused career behind and you you go to texas and what are you doing there right what am i doing i'm driving around <laughs> in a concrete jungle like <laughs> <laughs> living in Texas in Houston. <laughs> what am I doing? You know, um, her, my daughter's dad, his name is Charlie and I, we've known each other for 20 plus years now. Wow. And I am so thankful for, for his family and him. They're both really, you know, it didn't work out between us. We're both super hot headed and fought all the time. And we still like laugh at the fact that we're the only two people in each other's lives who can piss each other off. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they were really just, and still are, um, just the most giving people. And, and they, so his family was in the sterling silver industry, really successful in that realm. So accessory jewelry. And immediately I started working with them and I'd always wanted to design and, and be in that world anyways it just it's creativity right so I learned a lot from them 
him and I ended up starting a, um, a retail store for accessories together with his mom and dad. And, you know, he ended up growing it to like 500 stores worldwide. He's wow. an incredibly talented uh, business guy. So I did that for a couple of years and just, you know, it was, it was a nice full life, but there was just something about it. Maybe I, I hadn't experienced enough yet to settle down. Um, and so that, you know, it didn't work out, but, and I ended up moving back to LA and marrying my second husband, Dice, who now we're also just good friends. <laughs> so maybe I'm still searching. Were you, were you doing yoga all throughout this time in your life? Yeah, people always ask about that yoga journey and, and what it means to me. And I, I look back and I think, you know, yoga is a lifestyle choice. It's a life tool as well. Um, and it's always ebbed and flowed in my life. It's been around in different forms. And luckily for me, it's never been this a pressure sort of presence. You know, we're like, oh my God, I need to practice. It has been a survival tool for me at really challenging times in my life. When I was in Texas, right after I had my daughter, I mean, I was doing yoga frequently through my pregnancy. I, would, I was in LA during the pregnancy for the most part. I didn't go to Texas until about eight months, seven months. Oh, wow. And yeah, and I, I was living in Marina Del Rey and I would drive down to, I think, Hermosa Beach to take Beth Shaw's power yoga class. And she was still teaching it. Now, she, you know, after that, she grew all over the nation and um, I was also taking prenatal classes with Gurmook. I don't know if you know who she is, but she um, is a huge figure in the Kundalini world. And she had a studio out here in Hollywood or West Hollywood called Golden Bridge. And I would go to her prenatal classes once a week. But the prenatal classes were Kundalini yoga for partners. And I was the only one without a partner when I would go. And so I had the honor of mook being my partner and it was just such a you know interesting time because I was scared and I was young and I was alone and funny enough years later I got to see both of them again Beth Shaw and Gurmook and it was just like this Beth Shaw was you know I told her the story because she didn't like I didn't ever talk to her during that time but when I saw Gurmook again which was just two or three years ago I saw her from afar at a Wonderlust festival and she was like wearing full white and she's a lot older now, of course. And she looked like an angel and I immediately got incredibly emotional because she really like was there for me during a tough time. And she walked straight up to me. She remembered my name. She was so, and we like embraced and sorry, I'm emotional. But um, I showed her pictures of my daughter because I just kind of disappeared. You know, after the seventh month and a half, I just disappeared again. <laughs> to Texas and like never saw her again so yes to answer your question yoga has been an amazing part of my life and then it became my career and I'm just so passionate about making sure it stays my passion because I do I stand by what I say when I say that I get to do what I love and love what I do so it evolves it has to evolve if you for me if I get stuck on the way yoga is like at one point when I first met Dice, my son's dad, I was practicing two, three classes a day. And I was like pressing from crazy positions and doing all these things. And 
guys can still do some of those things, but it's not like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my strength and my practice anymore. It's like, oh, I need a meditation or, oh, I need, I want to do handstands right now. You know, it's just there. Yeah. And I think like, that's really, uh, yoga is so unique in that sense, right? Because it's something that's like so powerful for both the body, but also very much the mind. And like, I know that, I mean, you're not the only person, like I speak to so many of my friends who have sort of taken um, like solace in yoga during like more challenging parts of their life. And, you know, meditation is a big part of that. So my question to you is because you've, you've gone so through so much in your life and yoga has kind of been there for you. If someone is looking to turn to like, say yoga or meditation to kind of help them through tough times and it seems overwhelming, where, where do you start? You start where it's calling you. You know, I think that traditionally, which I'm, I'm all about honoring tradition, it's important to to know that yoga is a lot of things. It's a practice that can really seep into all facets of your life, your physical well-being, both inside and out, your emotional and your spiritual well-being. But I also do have the experience with, with yoga intimidating people because people might feel like, oh, but I can't, I can't do handstands or I can't meditate or I'm not interested in it. So therefore, maybe I'm not a good yogi and therefore I shouldn't practice it. And I think that's such a shame because it has so many benefits to our life. So start with the part of yoga that's calling you. And that could be, I mean, there's so much, right? If you look at the physical realm, there are so many different styles of yoga. There's vinyasa, there's softer yoga, like um, restorative, there's kundalini, there's, there's all sort of mixed blends of qigong and yoga. So just go and experience as much as you can. And if you have become interested in yoga through, you know, an influencer on Instagram or whatever it may be, start there and don't give up with it. Like if something about it isn't for you, go in a different direction. Um, If you start with meditation, that's wonderful. Uh, Honestly, I didn't start frequently meditating until the last handful of years, even after 23 years of practice. Like I just found it to be annoying and intimidating and I didn't understand it. You know, it was like every time I stop my body and try to stop my mind, it goes faster. And at that time, my teachers were all saying, it's about quieting the mind. And when I was finally ready to deepen my practice on that level, I began to look for different ways to understand it. So where do you start? (laughs) You know, if you want something, you start with what's calling you, but if you want something more direct, if you start with a physical practice, I always recommend taking, finding a teacher who's really passionate about helping you understand um, the body, right? Like where you're coming from now, not just making the shapes, but like, Understanding your body, I think privates, if you can afford them, one or two privates to start off is a really great place. And if not, like practicing online is great. You just have to practice with a teacher that you're able to listen to. You know, sometimes you just like take the same teacher over and over again and you expect, you know what they're going to say and you hear about 30% of it. It's just like this, you know, just like this practice that isn't helping you wake up and and that's what it should be whether it's waking up the mind to be a bit more aware about the subtleties of our you know 
habits and our habitual patterns, or it's waking up your mind-body connection. Like, so what if you're not flexible? Yoga is not for flexible people. Actually, yoga perpetuates the bad habits that flexible people have <laughs> when we think that, you know, yoga is about the splits. Um, yoga is for us to find out where we are right now, physically, mentally, and then collect the tools to help us find more balance. Flexible people need to be stronger, right? They need to be more integrated. So yoga will help them find that. And people who are tighter, like, you know, yoga will help you figure out what parts of the body you're tighter in and what stretches or active stretches will help for you. Hopefully that's more that. direct. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a lot of different kinds of yoga, as you mentioned, like what are like, can you give me examples of like, I don't know, like the, the few of the different types and like what they're best for? Yeah, <laughs> what they're best for. That's a good one. Well, I love vinyasa yoga. You know, when I, I was, I first started practicing Kundalini and then it was Bikram. Well, first, my first practice was Ashtanga, but when I came back to Thailand after that first trip, there wasn't a, an Ashtanga Mysore practice there. There was Kundalini and there was Ekram of all things. Um, so let's see, let's start from that. I think that I love Vinyasa because it, it's a mix of um, structure like Ashtanga, but there is a sense of creativity and flow it's not as rigid. I know we have this on A's and B's, but it's, it's constant movement. And for my mind that is constantly moving, this constant movement focused with the breath uh, flowing through the, the poses is really, really nice. Uh, but it is a strong practice. So it, it does tend to you know, attract more athletic practitioners. Uh, that's my favorite vinyasa. For somebody who's starting out, I think that you know, a power class, something that's a bit slower or hatha yoga can be a bit more accessible. Not that, that you're not athletic or that you're not strong, but a slower guidance through a practice does help you learn the poses as well as the transitions through poses a bit more effectively. So I like a, a more hatha or power vinyasa or power style. I actually have a great beginner's program on aloe moves. That's I've done called. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. Have, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I, you know, used to teach really strong classes only, and I'm still in love with that style of practice, but I also really am passionate about ushering people into this practice. So giving them the tools to really build from a strong foundation. Yeah. So those are my two favorite go-tos. Uh, I love a restorative practice. Some people refer to it as yin. Um, there's a difference because yin is trademarked. It's a, it's a specific style where if you look at vinyasa or hatha or power, um, these are styles that just kind of came out of Iyengar or Ashtanga and, and became styles rather than brands, right? So it's easier to understand. Where like yin is an actual brand. So he the guy who created it, there's like an, a method behind it where you, a scientific method where you hold postures for really, you know, marked certain type, uh, time period. I prefer restorative because, you know, it's, it is, the, the word says it all, right? It's like, it's calming, it's grounding. It is about releasing tension. 
Um, and I think any practitioner, like a strong practitioner needs restorative in their life. <laughs> it's like, it, it honestly, for me, like I, like my favorite workout, I would say is boxing. And like, I, I kind of learned to like balance things out when I got into like restorative yoga as well. And like, I think yeah. that that was like really my first like introduction into like how much it could help my body just from a performance standpoint as well, just being able to like release that tension and just sort of melt it away. Exactly. And that's a really great point too, that it complements, you know, yoga, all yoga practices can complement other practices because there's a lot more um, to it than just strengthening, right? There's, there's softening, there's grounding, there's relaxing, um, but there's also stretching in it as well. Yeah, I love that. Um, so speaking of, I guess, like building strength, I saw that very viral video of you, like the Equinox video. I uh, mean, yes. I honestly, I watched it a couple of times over because I actually couldn't believe what you were doing with your body. You were like just buying <laughs> gravity. I've never seen someone do handstands on like movement like that. It was, it was wild. Thank you. So if someone is looking to sort of like their goal is, okay, I really want to get into yoga to build that sort of strength. I mean, no one's going to get to where you, you were in that video in two days, but like, what's a good no. place to start? What do you recommend? <laughs> well, consistency is important. You know, that was a time in my life. I first started, I just started teaching yoga which means I wasn't teaching yoga. Like it was so difficult to find a job at that time. Like everybody in LA was teaching yoga, a, a paying job. <laughs> um, and I just, you know, was struggling to find uh, paying opportunities. You know, I was paying to teach. I always tell people that like, it was the beginning of a trend in LA. Lots of studios were opening and they were inspired by, um, Brian Kess studio. So they were donation based and essentially, you know, it was easier to have the opportunity to teach in these places because you were renting the space. So it was probably the most entrepreneurial way to teach at the time because you had to pay upfront to rent the space to teach and you had to market your own classes mm -hmm. and people would show up and you would rely on people donating at the end of class. You'd have like a suggested donation of $6. Whoa. Of $6. And it's like, you know, some once in a while you get someone who puts a 20 in there. Every class you get someone who walks out without even donating. Oh but goodness. for the most part, you get a bunch of ones. <laughs> like it was a really tough time. So to answer your question directly, that time I was dating my son's dad, Dice. He was really busy because he was an incredible teacher, great timing for him, good looking male, like everyone in teaching in LA was a woman. <laughs> so he was teaching a lot. Like I was maybe teaching a class or two a day and he would be driving around town seven days a week teaching four to five classes a day mixed Whoa. between... I actually built my schedule up to that for, for about a year and a half. I was teaching between five and seven sessions a day, seven days a week to survive, <laughs> to pay my debt, my legal debt, and then to just survive. But to your question, I was taking most of his classes. I was taking two to three classes a day, every day for 
I mean, of course I took some days off, but you know, I was doing that for a good year to build that type of strength. But at the same time, now I teach a lot of teachers, the business side of yoga. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my recommendations come from that experience because by being a practitioner in a community, in a number of classes, in a number of studios, you know, practicing in my boyfriend's class, I ended up getting subbing jobs from those studios because people would, you know, get to know me, see my practice. I would get to know the students. They'd be comfortable with me. He'd use me to demo. So yeah, if you wanted to get to the Equinox video, it's consistency. Um, and then learning these things from, you know, a variety of teachers who are really great at it. And these days it's so accessible with online classes. You can learn from, you know, incredible people, whether they're yoga teachers or hand balancers or acrobats. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even like I, I, I talked to you about this a little bit before we started the interview, but I, like, I love your, um, your classes on aloe moves and like even the detail you get into about like wrist strength, I had no idea that like that is what you need to develop in order to like contort your body and like hold your weight. So I think like just even going into those like really micro details are so like just like game changer, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, at the time I, it, I had a lot of great teachers around me and Dice was one of them, you know, he's so strong. Uh, but now I understand the body so much more and, and, and you're right. It's like, you just don't think about it. But if you think about a handstand, here's your hand and there are your feet. You need to be able, you know, over time to understand where every single part of your body in between your hands and your feet needs to be. <laughs> like then to use the muscles to get them there as well as, you know, different joint placement. So it's, it's intricate. That said, you know, when we don't have fear in the way, like you can throw yourself up there and some people can find that light point. And so you don't have to start from understanding the body immensely. You could start from strength. You could start from courage. You could start from just mind-body awareness. So, yeah. <laughs> Wild. So you are a mom of two kids. Um, have you introduced them to yoga? I mean, they've grown up with it, right? So it's around them. And my daughter, like she's, she's very athletic. She's a tennis player. Uh, she meditates, she stretches, but she doesn't like yoga and that's okay. You know, it's like something about the down dog, like having your arms overhead just really makes her dizzy and she's got a lot of tightness in her upper body. So I don't force her. We work out in different ways and she does yoga stretches. Mm -hmm. My son loves the handstanding aspect of it. So we do handstands all of the time. Um, and I'm force. <laughs> notice the word force. <laughs> Maybe I should say enforce <laughs> the practice of meditation because we're all very highly strung. So <laughs> they, they benefit from it. And when they benefit, mommy benefits too. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I like, it took me so long to kind of get into meditation, but like once I found what worked for me, it was just like, it changed my life. So like, and I, I wish that, you know, it was maybe a practice that was kind of taught to me when I was younger so that I kind of understood it, but I, I yeah. had to find my way around when I was, you know, an, an adult. So it's yeah. nice that you're able to kind of pass that on to your kids. Mm. Yeah. And, and, um, 
you know, to your point, I don't actually meditate much without being guided. I love guided meditation. And that's what I use for my kids because I find that if it's mommy guiding meditation, they're like, mm-hmm, I hear your voice all day long. And usually you're telling me that I'm doing things wrong. So why would I want to take this from you? So we use Headspace. We absolutely love Andy. Um, our sons actually went to preschool together and uh, he just, he speaks to us all. Like, I don't know if it's the accent or, <laughs> but he's just very good at like getting you to listen. And I always tell yoga teachers or all wellness spiritual teachers that it's not about what you know as much as it is about how you communicate it. Mm-hmm. Master communicators. <laughs> I love that. Um, what right now in this stage of your life, what's a typical workout for you? Oh man, it's been so up and down uh, lately uh, this year because I'll go through spurts of feeling really good and, you know, I'm going to work out every day, whether it be working with my knee rehab, I don't have an ACL in my right knee. So it's like constant upkeep of strength and muscular engagement. Um, And then I'll get really into yoga and then I'll get really into handstands. And then I'll just be like, I don't feel like doing anything at all. And then I'll do like a couple of weeks of just really soft meditative practice. So yeah, it's been, it's just been ebbing and flowing. Also with health, I haven't been feeling great at times. And then I've been feeling really great. So yeah, I don't stress out about it. I kind of love what you said earlier about kind of trusting your body enough to, to know like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to lose my strength if I stop for a little while. You know what I mean? I think like, I don't know. I feel like that's just like synergy with your body, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, to be honest though, like you do lose strength. That's just yeah. what it is, but I'm not going to be attached to it and feel bad yeah. about it. And if I do, if I'm like, oh my gosh, my, I have pain. I, I'm not feeling great in my body. Then yeah, I need to do something about it. Um, but I, I don't like to stress. I don't like to, if I'm not feeling well or I'm overwhelmed with work and I need, this is a, a really great life tool, actually. It's so important to to be able to prioritize your priorities, you know, and not try to shove everything in there and then feel overwhelmed. It's like, no, sometimes you just don't have time and that's okay. But then you need to make time when you can yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, are you more of like a morning yoga person or morning workout person or are you like evening or it's like whenever you can fit it in? I prefer the morning. I prefer if I'm working out that it's the first thing that I do. I feel most energetic in the morning and a workout just makes me feel even better and clearer. Uh, by 2 p.m. I'm like, forget about it. (laughs) You know, it's like, I got to pick up my kids and I got my kids and then I have dinner and then there's after school activities. And it's like, no, (laughs) you're the same. Yeah. I'm with you. Like I, if I don't do it in the morning, it's just like, it's never going to happen because once I start with my day, like it's just, I, I almost cannot step away from my work day and it doesn't really end until dinner time. And then works out after dinner like it just, uh, just never happens I admire people who do honestly there's a lot of people who do you know they get off work and this is the only time that they have and or like before work before the sun comes up that is true dedication and I admire yeah. it 
And I think that if my life were that way, I probably could do it, <laughs> but mm -hmm. it's not. So okay. I'm like, yeah, if, if it's not morning, it just doesn't happen. So like, I, I, like, I know that if I don't wake up by a certain time, I'm not getting my workout in and then there goes the rest of my day. So it's just like, okay, no morning or nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, what is your number one wellness tip? That's my last question for you. Number one wellness tip. Okay. Number one wellness tip. You can give more than one if you, if you want. Yeah. If, number one is hard, but I, you know, I like the challenge. I think that, of course, it's going to change and be different. But what I'm, uh, you know, really feeling right now, and maybe this is not so much, and also I'll give another one that has to do with like, you know, really being well, like treating your body well, whatever. Uh, but what I'm really connecting with these days is more on the emotional growth side of wellness, which is, I think, for those of us who are searching, there's a difference between understanding something intellectually. You know, reading is important. I read a lot. I listen to podcasts a lot. Um, I'm very committed to, to living a life where I am growing, but it's not enough to just say, oh yeah, I understand these different intellectual pieces to spiritual growth. It's not enough you can't just understand it intellectually. You have to use it. And it, there, I'm all about the self and making time for the self and, and knowing that, you know, individuality is important. But at the same time, you can't actually test your spiritual growth unless you have relationships with people. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be romantic relationships, but like, unless your intellectual understanding of spiritual growth is, you know, if it's not tested within your closest relationships and it's not functioning there, then it's not real. Then it's just an idea. And I think it's so important to, to not just be alone. You know, the, the whole like monk thing and the meditative, like I admire that immensely about people who can dedicate that their life to something like that. But for most of us, it's, it's about, our closest relationships in our lives. And usually they're the messiest ones. They're the ones where there's a lot of things, dynamics that you're not proud of. And so that's, that's really important to me to like the closest people around me, how are, how is my spiritual growth actually functioning with them? And I encourage people to, you know, as they work on themselves, really try to have, you know, these, these goals of who you are, also exist in your closest relationships because they're there you know parents are hard <laughs> like i'm not saying you need to have an emotionally stable relationship with your parents because parents you just have to accept for who they are <laughs> like you know accept the fact that they grew up in a different generation and all mm -hmm. that but like kids or romantic partners it's it's um it's not an easy one but it's so important to to allow your relationships with them to be mirrors for who you really are, not just who you say you are, not just who you want to be, but who you are. I love that. <laughs> a little bit. But it's a good one. It, and it's, and it's so true. Like it, it really does extend kind of beyond yourself and like relationships are really important and having that mirror mm -hmm. that. So I, I love that you say that. <laughs> and more on the direct wellness side. Yeah. 
I would say a lot of us don't have time because there's so much that we want to do. But if you really want something, you make the time. So if like wellness is an idea over here that you are, it's kind of like out of your practice, but you're like, oh, I need that. I really want that. Make it a part of your life because it will, you know, whether it's yoga, meditation, pranayama, tai chi, qigong, like kundalini, anything, or even if it's choosing better foods, whatever is inspiring you to be well, pull it into your life because it will improve your life tenfold. You know, if you had to take out, I don't know, watching Netflix, <laughs> which is therapeutic, okay? But if you had to take out something from your life and make wellness a priority, I would encourage it because it will make everything else just flow better. It will make you happier, whatever that wellness means to you. I'm like, I could not agree more. And also to your point, like, I think that even just picking one thing and adding mm -hmm. it into your life instead of yeah. like letting the idea of all of these things almost overwhelm you. I exactly. feel like yeah. that's sort of where my wellness journey started, where it was like, okay, no, I'm just going to try to integrate like one thing, you know, like, I'm just going to try to like, you know, uh, fix my eating habits a little bit, you know, like, mm -hmm. and then from there, it's like all of these things start to flow in. So I, I love that you say that because it, it like, it's just, just pick something and like add it in whatever it is you need and then see where it goes from there. So I love that. Yeah, thank you. And, and I think there's a fine line too, between, you know, stressing out about it. Yes. And just kind of letting, you know, you do have to dedicate yourself. But that's not at the cost of being stressed about it because you know, then there's no point. So for sure, you know, it should ebb and flow with your life as well at some point. For sure. Okay, Bryony, this was amazing. Tell everyone where they can find you before we wrap. Yes. Thank you so much for your time. And if you want to connect with me further, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Yoga with Bryony is my influencer handle on social media. My website is Aligned Yoga. I do have a lot of online content if you want to practice with me on Aloe Moves. They are awesome. It's not just me on there. It's also a lot of amazing yoga teachers and wellness teachers all around the world. And if you want to deepen your practice and teach or just deepen your understanding of yoga, I have a lot of educational content on, uh, on alignyoga.com. <laughs> amazing. Thank you. Thank you, love. Take care.